Does anyone here ever had a Christmas present that they absolutely despised or hated? Oh, you even put your hand up in front of your parents. Was it from your parents, Rebecca? Okay. Oh, yeah. Good save. Has uh, you ever got a present that just kind of made you upset before? So this, this friends of ours, he's, uh, well, he's kind of like a, a parent-father figure in my life. He always tells a story when he was a little boy. Him and his brother both got Tonka trucks for Christmas. And he got this brand shiny yellow new grater. Metal, you know, the whole classic Tonka truck toy. I should have brought Leland's. You would understand what I'm talking about. And his brother also got a grater, but for some reason, his brother got one of the plastic versions of the grater. Now, how many know that if you want a Tonka truck, you want the metal one, right? You, absolutely. And so his brother was so mad that he got the plastic version of the grater. He took it out to the woodshed, got the axe, and broke it in half. And so this morning, we want to help you not do things like that when you get presents that you don't like, okay? And so we want to help you not be bitter this Christmas season. In this series, we've been talking about letting go, letting go, traveling light, if you will. Um, We don't want to carry baggage around with us at all. Uh, I don't want you to carry baggage with you into this season and into the new year uh, because I believe that God has sent his son Jesus to bring us freedom so we don't have to carry the weight of our past. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about the collection of things on this earth, but we actually have a beautiful, bright, hopeful tomorrow, a bright future with Jesus in heaven. And so we want to remember this season that this world is not our home and that heaven is and that we want to store up for ourselves not treasures on earth but treasures in heaven. And so we also want to keep our attention and our focus on our Lord and Savior, especially this season, but every day of our life. And so we started the series off by talking about letting go of distractions. And he'd had the phrase, the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. I'll say it again. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if if he can distract you. Because if you can get distracted, you can destroy yourself. And we want to choose what is best, not what is good. Because there are a lot of good things out there. But we want to choose the best. I'm very competitive, and so is Christy Ann. It's why we never play games together. And so we... um, we know that we are not going to settle for good enough. We want to be the best. Now, this isn't a competition by any means. But we absolutely want God's best, not just the good enough. God doesn't want us to settle for good because he sent his son for the very best. He gave us his best, and so we want to in return give him our best, do our best. And so I don't want us to settle. I don't want to get distracted from what is best. Last week, we talked about clutter and stuff and talked about why do we hold on to the things that we hold on to in this world. It's nice to have fun things. It's good to have fun things. They let us have a lot of fun and even bring us joy on this earth. But there are things that we collect that are completely unnecessary in our lives and even in our homes. And I believe it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. 
So if you have things in your house that don't matter at all, get rid of them. Re-gift them. If they're not worth re-gifting, if you're not going to keep it because it's no good, don't give it to somebody else unless you're giving it to somebody you don't like. But that is not going to go very far today when we talk about letting go of bitterness. Because if you're going to give someone something you don't like because you don't like them, that probably means you're bitter and we want to help you with your bitterness today. And so, I don't know about you, but if you've ever played the game Bigger or Better, I was going to have us play a game this morning, Bitter or Better. And uh, I was going to have a bunch of taste testing things of all the different kind of bitter types of things that you could possibly try. But I didn't think anybody would really be up for being blindfolded in church today, trying out all kinds of bitter or better things. And so, you can imagine uh, what some things would be bitter today. And so, let me ask you that question. I have a cup of coffee today. If you were to have coffee or tea, which one is bitter? Typically. Coffee. That's why people add sugar and cream and stuff. I drink it black because I'm a real man. I'm glad you laughed at that one because that's just not true. You can add cream and sugar to your coffee. It's okay. We forgive you. What are some bitter things that you've tasted in your life? We'll keep it shallow. We're not going to go deep yet. What are some bitter things? Like something you thought would be really good and you ate it and it wasn't. Expired milk. Expired milk. I got some of that if you want. Anyone want to try some expired milk this morning? So here's the story. It was already going bad past its expiration date. And then we got a new coffee maker, like similar as that one. And I wanted to test it out. And so I, I checked the fridge, looked in there. It didn't look like there was anything in there. Even though it's a white fridge and the milk carton is bright pink, I didn't see it because I'm a man. And I closed the fridge, unplugged the fridge, plugged in the coffee maker, let it sit for 20 minutes to warm up, added a bunch of water, ran a couple pots of water. It works. Praise the Lord. It was free. What a gift. Awesome. And then uh, Elizabeth last Sunday opens up the fridge and goes, don't open that fridge. It smells like expired milk. I said, that's weird. There's nothing in there. She says, yes, there is. There's a big pink orange carton of bitter expired milk in the fridge. So if you would like some... Help yourself. It's in the foyer right over there. Expired milk. What else is bitter? Vanilla extract. Okay. Anyone just drink that straight up? I've never done that before. What else? Okay. Anyone ever bake something and it did not turn out the way you wanted to? And you just threw it out because it was too bitter? Yeah. I went to a church function like that, actually. And uh, I was in Bible college, and we went to uh, this church. There was about eight people. They were all over the age of 80. And uh, when we were leaving, they made a nice little luncheon for us. They were the sweetest people ever. Uh, loved us so much. They said, we're going to make it. We never had fellowships at all. Like, never did luncheons, nothing. And so people made all this disgusting food. And like sandwiches, that, they put stuff on sandwiches that should not be on between two pieces of bread. And this one lady was so proud of some scone that she had made, and it was not done right at all. And you could see everybody being so polite, like just a little tiny bite, drink the coffee, little tiny bite, drink, you know, drink the water, drink the tea, whatever. It was the bitterest thing I have ever eaten in my life. But I didn't hold it against them because they, uh, their heart was right. And so if the most bitter thing I experience in this world is food and drink and things I shouldn't drink, then I'm doing pretty good. But we all know that we carry things, we carry offenses. The world tells us to get offended. They tell us to be the victims when we are, and they tell us to aim for revenge. And in those moments, bitterness sets in. And I think Jesus in the Bible might have a couple things to say to us about 
bitterness, because bitter is not better. And so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, and this is what it says in verse 14. He says, make every effort, every effort, not just sometimes, not just once in a while, not when you feel like it. In fact, more often than not, when you don't feel like it, make every effort. How many like when people only do the job halfway? Nobody. So how many like when they do it three quarters of the way? 90%. No, we want 100% job done. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, not just to somebody you like, not just somebody you don't like, not just your spouse, not just your kids, everybody. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And here we're going to hit this word again today. And no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let me jump ahead of my notes here today. That last line is very important. Some of us think that we can be bitter and keep it to ourselves. If you think that's true, you're wrong. You could say, I'm just not going to talk to anybody. Your bitterness is going to have an effect on the people around you and will defile many and it will cause you trouble. Make every effort. Someone say, make every effort. How many of us know some people or are those people who make more effort than others? No one put their hand up. Okay, you guys must be really humble because you guys must all work really hard. We all know people, if I ask you to put up your hands, people who do not make any effort at all, right? I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but if you would like to, if you would like to, if it would be helpful to you just to let it out, let go of your bitterness today and just text me today, 807-375-0031. Text me and just let me know who's bitter. <laughs> Pastor Katie texts, bitter things, Leland eating coffee grounds. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like two years ago, church online. You know, Pastor Katie and I are filming in the foyer some announcement welcome video or whatever. And I had Leland with me and he kind of disappeared for a while. And he came out, and there was a pile of coffee grounds, and he's there with a spoon <laughs> eating coffee grounds. Bitter. Ugh. Yep, that's my boy. But make every effort to live in peace. One of the greatest tools our spiritual enemy has is to poison our hearts, destroy our relationships, and implant in us what the Bible calls a root of bitterness. What do we know? We know that God wants us to love our enemy, but wants the enemy wants to, sorry. God wants us to love, but the enemy wants us to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy our relationships. He wants to take away our love, and he wants to take away our intimacy. We also know that God wants us to grow in trust and wants us to trust, but if we break that trust, it leaves us bitter. And the enemy will do everything possible to plant a seed of offense, to plant in people that will grow into a root of bitterness. I'll say that again. The enemy wants to plant a seed in us that will grow into a root of bitterness. Lots of good farming and illustrations that take place here today. The enemy will do everything to plant a seed of offense and create a root of bitterness. Anyone here ever been offended before? Corey, I see that hat today. 
And it's a good thing I'm not a Canadians fan, because I would be offended that you wore, that you would wear the Maple Leaf hat in church today. But I'm not, because I'm a Maple Leafs fan, so we're okay. Sometimes. If the Winnipeg Jets and the, Munch- and the Toronto Maple Leafs ever end up in the playoffs together, I don't know who I will cheer for, because you want to cheer for Toronto because they've waited so long, but I mean, who's just given up on them and might as well cheer for Winnipeg, because... What else good is there in Winnipeg? They might as well have something good to sing about. Yeah, anyways. We could easily be offended. Someone looks at us the wrong way. Oh, I'm offended. Someone wears the wrong thing to a fancy Christmas Eve or a Christmas banquet. I can be offended. Someone's overdressed for Christmas banquet. I'm offended. No one told me. I overdressed. I'm I'm offended. It could be something so incredibly little and something so incredibly small and insignificant. It could be the way that someone doesn't respond to your text, right? You get, the, you get the message on Facebook Messenger. If you have an iPhone and iMessage, you see that they have read your text. You even see the three little bubble dots pull up on the phone. They're about to reply, and all of a sudden your heart gets anxious and you're ready, you're ready, and then nothing ever comes through and the dots go away. And you get offended. What's wrong with that person? Why don't they text me back? What's their, what's their problem? I don't like them anyway. Blah, 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 blah. Seed of bitterness creates, seed of offense creates a root of bitterness. Christmas dinner, same person, same family, every year does not bring one dish to contribute to the family, but they do bring the Tupperware to load up on leftovers. And in fact, they brought the Tupperware they stole from you the year before. <laughs> Offended. Little seed of offense creates the root of bitterness. That person better not show up tonight at the church banquet because they never contribute. They always take. Seed of bitterness creates a seed of, can't say it right. Seed of offense creates a root of bitterness. Some of us have experienced something a little bit more intense than those silly little things. Sorry, I'm distracted. Some of you are offended now. Something real, more significant. Someone deceived you, talked bad about you, talked behind your, bo- your, bo- your back, told a lie about you. Can't even talk properly this morning. Pastor can't even get the words right. I'm offended. He's a professional. Well, all of us, we have these, these experiences in our lives. Someone said something that wasn't true, created a seed of offense, which created a root of bitterness. You have the relative that's always critical of you, critical of the way you raise your kids, spend your money, critical of what church you go to, how you worship, how you didn't worship when you went to church. And you get so sick and tired of the criticism. Maybe someone's taken advantage of you, misled you, betrayed you. A seed of offense creates a root of bitterness. But here's our key thought for today, and maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But here's the simple fact. Maybe you're going to like it. I like it when it's not me. But you cannot control what people do. You can only control how you respond. You can't control what people are going to do, but you can control on how you respond. You can't control what people think. You can't control what they say. You can't control what they do. But the good news is with God's help and God's power, you can control how you respond. We want you to let go of bitterness. We want you to stop the seed from getting planted in the first place. But, you know, the enemy will plant seeds whether we want him to or not. We want 
plant seeds that bring life. And when the seed is planted, we want to do everything we can to cut off that root, to dry it out, to bring death to that seed of destruction. The holiday season often magnifies our emotions. If you love Christmas and you love joy and you love all the wonderful lights and the cookies and the baking and the turkey and mashed potatoes and the pierogies and the lasagna, sorry, I'm going off the menu for tonight. If you love all of those things, you love the presents, you love the people, you love all of these things, then Christmas is a most wonderful, magical, beautiful time of the year. And you sing the Christmas carols at the top of your lungs and you dance in the streets like you're some cheesy Hallmark Christmas movie and there's a film crew there and it just snows just the right time and the snowflakes fall from the sky and they light up the tree uptown and they put all the fancy decorations in the poles. You just walk the streets of Terrace Bay and you go, this is just beautiful, I just love it and my heart is so full and I'm so... Oh. <laughs> That's not in my notes, by the way. Thanks, Bill. But the holidays magnify our emotions. So if we're in a season of loss, instead of looking around the table bringing joy, we're looking at the empty seat. Our emotions are magnified. If you are battling through depression, anxiety, if you're going through a financial hardship, there's less presence under the tree. You don't know what the kids are going to open on Christmas morning. Those emotions are magnified. Your Christmas dinner won't be turkey. You'll be lucky if it's a can of soup from the food bank. Your emotions are magnified the holiday season. Those facing loss, setbacks, heartache, hardship, Everything is magnified. The pain is stronger. The hurt goes deeper. The tears run more freely. Make no mistake, our enemy will take every effort to plant seeds of bitterness. And so we have to take every effort to live in peace with everyone. We have to take every effort to live in peace with everyone. Number one, bitterness has a dangerous root. See to it, verse 15, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Uh, have you ever cut down a tree before and ever been left with the stump and you would rather just leave the stump than get rid of it? I saw a TikTok video the other day. This guy pulls up with this attachment on his tractor. Thing grabs the, the, the tree, tr the stump, and he just pulls the thing right out of the ground. I have shoveled out too many trees in my young life to, to care and, and look at this guy and be bitter about the cool stuff that he has and the blood, sweat, and tears and literal blood, sweat, and tears of digging and sawing and hacking away at tree stumps. I tell you, it's hard work taking out those roots in those trees. I can't remember what kind of tree, I don't really care what kind of tree it is, but there are some trees that they will, their roots will go so deep and they will go so long, they can be miles and miles and miles and miles long. Okay, maybe a mile long, but you know, sounds more dramatic when you say miles and miles and miles. But there are roots and they go so deep and they go so far and the healthier the tree gets, the thicker those roots grow and the harder it is to take them out. 
And I don't know if you know this about trees, but if you've taken them out, uh, what you cannot see is underneath. And it's the same with bitterness. What you cannot see is slowly underneath the surface of the soul growing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you don't pay attention to it, it will continue to go deeper and wider and stronger and bigger. And it will have an effect, not just on yourself, but those around you as well. Many of us have experienced letdowns in pain. I, I bet I could go around the room and say, what is, name a time that somebody let you down. Somebody didn't do what they said they were going to do. Someone didn't show up for you when you needed them to show up. I bet we can think of a few stories in the room today. See to it that no bitter root grows up. What do we know about the root of bitterness? Roots underground or we can't see them. In fact, you may not even realize a root of offense has even started to grow. You go look at it, you say, that's my stuff, don't touch it. I'm, I'm not too sure if you've ever had siblings, but I'm sure you've had these moments with siblings and friends where you go, that is my stuff, do not touch it. And that person slowly inches towards it just a little bit more, and they touch it. And they move it, and they take it. They stand there in front of you, and they drink it. Seed of offense creates a bitter root. You're in my room. Why do you always do this? Why do you always do that? If you say some of those things, you might be more bitter than you thought. I, I realize this in my own life. I realize this having kids, probably also being an only child for the most part. That's my stuff. That's my tool. Do not take it. It is not your tool to leave in the snowbank. That's mine. Don't touch it. That's my drill. I, I will never forget, because I'm bitter still, apparently. Working on Mackenzie's bedroom. Put in a closet, had to do some drywall work. I left the drywall, the, the, the bucket of mud, sealed the lid or so I thought, left all the tools there. I came back like three, four days later, like the next weekend to work on it kind of thing. And I came in, and I just, just something didn't look quite right. I turned on the light, and I turned around at the wall that I had been working on. And wouldn't you know it, there are globs and gobs of hard, dried mud on the wall. All the hard work that I had put in, all the effort, and I hate doing drywall and budding. Like, I'm not that good at it. And I was quite proud of how far I had come, and it was just ruined like that. And uh, I was pretty bitter in that moment. That's my stuff. You don't touch it. That's not yours. Why would you do that? And then the kid ran and hid. And you can figure out which kid that was. That particular child, though, just wanted to be like Daddy. Thought they were helping, of course. But that was my stuff. You touched it. And that root of bitterness grew. And my response to the child that was in trouble was not very honorable or admirable in that moment. Did they do something wrong? Heck yes. Was my response okay? Heck no. Root of bitterness. Root of offense can cause a seed, a seed of... I can't even say it. A seed of offense. Someone say it. A seed of offense will cause a root of bitterness. There, you said it. I don't have to say it again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrong. I just told you a story, so obviously I haven't let it go. But it's a learning opportunity now for myself. That love keeps no records of wrongs. He did this, she did that. 
Bitterness keeps detailed records. I, I've probably told this story before. I remember being about, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, and, and uh, we had a bunch of friends over. We were at my friend Matthew's house, and we're playing, and, and uh, the other group of friends, they were just at us. They were, like, bugging us. One in particular was having just a really rough day and was just trying to make our lives miserable. And so we started to write down every little petty thing that they did to bug us. And we're like, we're going to bring this to Matthew's mom, and she's going to bring down the hammer of justice for us, and uh, it'll be peaceful. It'll be great. We'll get our revenge. And so we just kept keeping a list. We kept getting, and we just kept getting angry and angry, and we kept writing to our list, writing to our list, writing to our list. And finally we said, okay, I think the list is big enough. Let's go to Matthew's mom and let's, let's go tell on our friend of all the evil things that she's done to us today. We were definitely bitter that day. We walk into the house, hand her our list and say, she did all of these things to us. And she's going through the list that she could hardly read because our writing sucks. And she goes, okay, okay, you know, whatever. whatever she said, we didn't really want to hear what she had to say because we knew that it wasn't going to go our way. And she sat us down and she took a moment and she said, uh, why don't we just talk a little bit about forgiveness right now? Why don't we just take a few minutes and talk about what God thinks of us when we've wronged him and what he chose to do in those situations. And we're like, yeah, we heard this when you were a Sunday school teacher, we know. And she's like, no, but do you really know? Because you're keeping a detailed list. Because bitterness keeps a detailed record of wrongs. He said, she said, they did, they didn't, they let me down, they didn't show up. The longer you let it grow, the deeper it grows, and the harder it is to kill. I don't know if you've ever had the most crazy, most annoying weed ever. I don't know what the official name of it, but it's called Creeping Charlie. Maybe you've heard of it. Had some of that in our house. And at first, we're like, oh, it's a beautiful little vine. It's taking over the, you know, the trellis along the sketchy garage slash barn in our backyard. This is when we lived in Godrich. And then we learned, actually, you don't want that sketchy vine that looks so pretty and green on the side of your shed because it is an invasive species and will take over everything. And sure enough, it would take over everything. You'd cut the grass and you'd see it growing all through the yard. And the only way to kill it was, ideally, you would spray it with something in the fall so that as, the, as all of the plants tried to hibernate for the winter, it would take all of that poison and it would bring it right down to the root as it sucked into the, to the ground for the wintertime. And hopefully, maybe, Maybe if you were fortunate enough, it would kill the root. But I'll let you tell you this. The longer that bitterness grows, the longer you don't deal with it, the deeper it grows, the harder it is to kill. And so let's travel light this Christmas season and let's learn to forgive and learn to let go. Number two, bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. I don't know if you've ever had poisonous fruit before. I don't think you should. It would probably kill you. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile, not a few, not you, but defile many. Bitterness is not just a root, it's a root that produces fruit. It's a, it's a good rhyme if you want to make it into a Christmas wrap or you want to meme me later and whatever. But bitterness is not just a root, it's a root that produces fruit. Now you'll remember it. Bitterness doesn't affect you, but it has a collateral impact and can destroy an entire group. It can destroy a church. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a community. It can destroy and make a workplace miserable. And it can bring division to the closest of relationships. Because a bitter root causes a destructive, poisonous fruit. 
Bitterness produces poisonous fruit. I think bitterness is probably the hardest sin to see when you look in the mirror. Because you feel justified. You feel justified. Somebody offended me. I have the right to feel the way that I feel. I have a right to get back at them. They have the obligation to pay for what they've done. I'm allowed to be bitter. It's the hardest one to look at in the mirror and think anything wrong. The only reason I feel this way is because of what they did. It's their fault. So what? It's your life, not theirs. Well, I'm only angry because of what they did. Maybe you are angry because of what they did. And maybe you should be angry. It's okay to be angry. There's things that even God and Jesus were angry at. We can call it a holy anger. It's how you channel your anger that makes the difference. If we're not careful, we'll celebrate the love of Christ on Sunday, but we'll hate someone in our heart because of how they offended us on Monday. We can stand and sing, you know, I will build my life upon your love. I don't want to love that person because of what they did to me. Bible's pretty clear, God's logic and his economy. It's not possible to love God if we're not willing to love everyone and make every effort to bring peace to everyone. If we haven't loved or forgiven those who've sinned against us, it's impossible to love God. If you experience the love of God, but we can't help but show the love of God. I think it's even harder as a pastor sometimes because there's things that people say and do and it's like, I want to be offended. I want to get back at them. But they know I'm a pastor, and they know that I can't respond that way, or I shouldn't respond that way. It's hard as a believer, because people know, oh, they go to North Shore Church. I, you know, let's just see how far we can push their buttons. I lived it in high school. My friends, you know, they were just being fun, being friendly-ish sometimes. But I, you know, ever since, I, from a young age, I just had this really strong, passionate love for God. I took church very seriously. Just had this innate passion, still do, for, for church. And some of them just thought I was crazy. And there was moments they would just push my buttons. Let's see if we can tip him over the edge. Let's see if we can just push him just a little bit farther. Let's see what he's going to say. And they, they got me a few times. There was a, a situation. This is a, this is a small town. I, you know, I want to tell you all the details, but I don't want to identify the person. But there was, there was, a, there was a moment that I had with a friend. And... You know, I, I had sort of stepped on their toes, so to speak, a little bit. Nothing like, it wasn't a big deal. And when I tell you the story, they will even agree it wasn't a big deal. And the way they responded caught me off guard. Like, I was, I was quite shocked, actually. They tore a strip off. Like, I'm a nice guy. I try to be nice and friendly to everybody. And I, you know, I... I Kind of stepped on their toes, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, just, you know, didn't see you there. Like, just, I'm sorry, apologize right in the moment. And they said, whoa, 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 you, and they started cursing and swearing, and I just kind of went, okay. <laughs> and then I kind of left. And then in that moment, I just started getting mad. I was like, how dare they speak that way to me? 
It was a simple little no big deal thing, and they just lost it on me. They can't speak to me that way. And I was getting more and more mad and angry, and I was just, it was starting to, to stir inside of me. It was just starting to burn deep within inside of me. And, and then, you know, I started to think of all the ways that I could just go and tick them off even more because now they've ticked me off. They've ruined my day. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go and key their car. I'm going to take the Louisville Slugger to both headlights, scratch, slash a hole in all four tires. You know, it's a song I know. And I'm starting to understand why people do the evil, awful things they do that make country songs. Now, I'm not actually going to do these things, but this is, this is what I'm feeling. These are the things that I'm thinking about, and I, was, I would have no problem doing that. I understand right now. The anger that I feel and the way that I want to respond, I would feel justified. They have no right to talk to me that way. They have no right to call me those names, and blah, 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 blah. And I went through it, and it just it stirred with me. And then, I, and then of course, I'm, I'm just trying to process what in the world just happened. Like, what is going on? And I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to write a sermon on bitterness, <laughs> trying to talk about joy at Christmas, and all I can think about is how evil and mad this person was at me. Like, I don't know if you know this. I, I, I think you think I'm a nice guy. And if I make a mistake, I'll apologize and I'll own it and move on. And I'm like losing my mind. The entire day I'm distracted by this 20-second encounter. Like 20 seconds is all it took. Literally, maybe even less than 20 seconds. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I can't type a single word. I don't want to read the Bible. And then you kind of just hear the voice of the Spirit speak inside of you a little bit. And uh, I hate this question. When someone comes to a problem, and you, you bring them a problem, you just want to vent. And then they say something ridiculous, like, well, did you pray about it? No, I didn't pray about it. Why would I want to pray about it? I know what Jesus is going to say. I don't want to talk to God about that. I want to be angry. I want to be ticked off. I want to go slash their tires. And finally, I just said, I can't, I can't sit and be mad anymore. And that was, it was one of those days the kids were at school, Elizabeth's at work. No one, like, there was, I was literally alone. It's like, I can't even vent to anybody right now. And I was like, I have this one friend that he and I will call each other often enough, especially if we have something that we just need to kind of process. I couldn't even call him because I knew what he was going to say. He was going to tell me to let it go. And he was going to tell me, did you pray about it, Gary? No, I didn't want to pray about it. And so in that moment, as I'm looking at the phrase and the blank cursor on the computer, and I see the words that I had just previously typed a couple days before, the root of bitterness... Or the root, the seed of offense causes the root of bitterness. Read it again. The seed of offense causes a root of bitterness. Read it again. I don't really like this message. Why don't we get Pastor Katie to preach this one? <laughs> Finally, I just paused and I, I said the most simple prayer because I was like, I gotta pray about it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta now, because now it's settling deep. Now I don't have the power to overcome. I need the supernatural help. And I just prayed, Jesus, help me. Simple prayer. Jesus, help me. Finally, the minute that I said that, there's a moment of peace that kind of came to my mind, came to my heart. Even felt it in my body. Just relax a little bit. 
Because when you get so offended, you get so uptight, your shoulders get you ready to fight, right? You, you kind of get this hostile, your, your, your body goes into like self-defense mode. And it's kind of those things where like nothing, the chemicals go in your brain and you can't help but think. So you just throw the punch first before thinking about it. There was nobody to punch at that moment, even if I wanted to, so. I felt my body just relax in that moment, just Jesus helped me. And then I just began to think, began to pray a little bit more and go, why? Instead of just asking and getting offended, I just flipped it around instead of saying, why would you say that? I went, well, why would that person say that? Why did they react the way that they did? It doesn't make it right. But what's going on? What have I done to offend them? Maybe there's more to it. And I start asking all these legitimate questions. So in the moment I pray, I ask God, I say, okay, obviously, God, you're going to have to forgive me for my bitterness. You're going to have to take this moment and repent because here's the things that I want to do. Here's the anger that I'm feeling, but I want to do this the right way. For the sake of the relationship, not because I'm a pastor, not because I go to North Shore Church, not because I'm a Christian, because I want to value the relationship. And actually because I'm a Christian, because I want to do what's right in God's eyes, not my own. It's okay. What do I got to do? I, gotta go, I have to go talk to this person. I can't just let it go because obviously there's something more going on. And I don't want this seed of offense to create a bitterness in me. And if they're feeling the same way, we want to get this now. We want to nip this in the bud before it gets any further. Maybe I've done something that I'm not even aware of because that's quite possible. So we answered this question this morning, how do you kill a root of bitterness? I'm going to give you two things here in a minute. But the first thing that I did is I changed my tone and I said, well, why did they respond the way they did? And so in that moment, I said, let's take a posture of compassion and let's take a posture of forgiveness. And let's go talk to them. And so I, I did the right thing. I waited a little bit, waited till the next day, cooled down, level head walked over to them. I just happened to see them and just walked over and says, you know, I know that, it, like, I didn't even say this. In my head, I knew this wasn't a big deal. I've already apologized, but let's make every effort to keep the peace. So I walked up and said, hey, you know, I'm really sorry about what happened the other day. Just uh, wanted to look you in the eye and apologize to you. And uh, right away, instantly, their body language totally changed. They kind of just settled down, looked me back, and apologized, and then just poured out their heart to me in the middle of the road. <laughs> it turns out, you know, they had lost someone that was really close to them, and they, were, and they had lost so many friends, so many friends to cancer, to illness, accidents, and they were just so upset. And this one little thing was all it took just to set them off. And so we just had this moment and said, you know, we're all good, kind of shook hands, and apologized and said, uh, I'm glad that we can move on from here and, and uh, things are good. All worked up for nothing. It wasn't even my fault. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Some tiny little thing, tiny, tiny little seed of offense exposed huge root of bitterness. Turns out this person is just angry at the world, mad at God for losing another friend. It's part of the grief. It's what we do, right, when we grieve. It's part of the process. So how do we kill the root of bitterness? We start with compassion. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, in case you, you weren't clear what the Bible says about this, Ephesians is very clear. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. Okay. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Brawling. I've never been in a brawl. Slander. I've probably done that. Get rid of every form of malice. And if you're going to get rid of something, he gives us a list to replace it with. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Pastor Katie, you're watching. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Make every effort to keep the peace with everyone. Some of you don't like keeping peace with everyone. You like to be offended. I know I've met you before. I'm not looking you in the eye. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Tender-hearted, the hardest one in the list, forgiving each other as Christ forgave you. Romans 12, 21, Paul says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some of you are really good fighters. I'm a, I like to debate sometimes for the sake of debating. Robert, you and I can go at it tonight at dinner. How does that sound? We have a, we'll have a ball. It'll be fun. Overcome evil with good. Be compassionate. Be kind. Even if you are right and they're wrong, be compassionate and be kind. Make every effort to bring peace to everyone. Luke 6, 28, the words of Jesus. Bless those, this is the hard one. Oh, please don't read this one. Please don't read this one. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. No, didn't hear that one. What did you say, Pastor Gary? I can't hear you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I tell you, the moment when you are told to pray for somebody that you just run, it's disarming, filled with compassion. You can't control what someone else does, but you can control how you respond. To kill bitterness with forgiveness. Aren't we glad? Forgiveness isn't fair. It's letting them off the hook. Let me ask you this question. Are you worthy and do you deserve forgiveness? Just as Christ forgave you, we don't deserve it in case you're wondering the answer to that question. We don't deserve it at all. Jesus forgave freely, generously, absolutely, entirely. And here's a big word for us today to remember, unconditionally. Well, I'll forgive you if. No. He forgives freely, generously, absolutely, entirely, unconditionally. I'm free. I don't know who said it, but it's a quote that I keep close in hand. To forgive is to set a prisoner free, and then you realize that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. It's not about letting the other person off the hook. It's about you walking in freedom. I'm not going to hold on to that bitterness because that person offended me, that person hurt me, and so when someone else does it, I'm going to take my wrath out on them, and that's not fair because they was minor and what they did was major. Forgiveness of that one offense means that when someone else steps on your toe, it's easy to forgive and bring peace and make every effort. 
But if you don't deal with the bigger issues in front of you, if you don't deal with those roots of bitterness now, everything around you, every little offense, every little moment that someone does something, or worse yet, every perceived offense. Maybe someone didn't even do anything, but you think that they did. This is what bitterness does. This is what happens when the bitterness produces a fruit that is poisonous. We start to perceive things that aren't real, that create offenses inside of us. We have to forgive. We have to be compassionate if we want to kill the root of bitterness. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't control what someone else does, but you can control how you respond. Would you do me a favor this morning, and would you just take a minute, and would you just close your eyes? I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to, to, uh, to show me, but I am going to just say, take a minute between you and God this morning, and say, God, if there are any roots beneath the surface that I cannot see, would you show them to me? God, if there's any bitterness, if there's any discontentment, any unforgiveness in my heart, God, would you show it to me now? Maybe if you are, maybe you don't need to pray that prayer. And you just need to say, hey, God, I got this big honking root of bitterness in my life, and it's been there for years. I certainly believe that supernaturally God can help deal with that right here, right now, if you're willing. But I also know that digging out roots can take a lot of time. And so maybe your prayer this morning is, God, help me take the first step. And maybe that first step isn't going to talk and confront the person, but rather it's just going to ask God to bring a bit of healing to your own soul and to your own heart today. Maybe the first step is, God, just bring peace to my mind today. God, my fists have been up. I've been ready to fight. God, would you just bring peace to my body today? Restore the chemical imbalance that's in place in my mind that I can't even think straight. Maybe the first part of the prayer is, God, for that poisonous fruit that's growing, God, would you just cause it all to fall off right now and start working on those roots? Remember, you can't control what someone else does, and you can only control how you respond. Just like I cannot deal with the root of bitterness in your life. No one else in this room, we can walk with you, we can hold your hand, we can encourage you, we can help you process out loud if you want. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to make the decision, God, I need to let go of this if I'm going to travel light. God, this bitterness is a sin of this world, and God, my home is in heaven with you. So God, remind me today of my heavenly home. Remind me why it's worth it to let it go. Maybe for some of you, the bitterness is is just seeped into your family, into your closest relationships, and has put up barriers and caused problems. Maybe you're not bitter with the person that you're closest to, but the bitterness that you have puts a strain on your relationship with them. God, help me to forgive. Help me to show compassion. And then ask God to give you the strength and pray for that person that's offended you. Pray for the people, the organizations 
the culture, the world that has offended you. God, we pray for this buzz to stop as well before I get offended at poor craftsmanship. God, today I pray, Lord, in this season of Advent, a season of waiting for you to come, I pray, O oh Lord, that we would find an incredible amount of peace and hope this season. That we don't need to be offended anymore. That we can live in peace, we can live with hope, we can live with joy. And Lord, that joy can start right here, right now. Would you give us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, the ability, O oh God, to be set free. Lord, just as you've forgiven us, help us to forgive those who have hurt us, cursed us, come against us. Lord, would you help us live in joy this season? God, I pray for everyone here today that your love would be known among us, your love would be known through us. Lord, that we would be people of peace. Help us make every effort, oh God, every effort to live at peace, not with just a few people, but with everyone. And Lord, for some of us, it's going to take more strength than others. And Lord, we know that there is no task too small that you can't handle. So Spirit, would you fill us up? Lord, we look to you for your power, your strength, not our own today. In your name we pray. Amen.